Okay. So, hello everyone. Welcome to the Imprint Podcast. We are here today with Jess Dalton, footwear designer, and she's going to tell us her journey so far within the footwear industry. Hi, Jess. Nice to see you again. Hi, you too, and thanks for having me. My pleasure. So, as we've spoken over the past couple of months interacting, um, you've got a fun fact to share with us. Can you tell us more about that, please? I do have a fun fact. So my fun fact is that I am actually a reject from university. So when I applied for university, this is 10 years ago now, I actually got rejected from all of my choices. Wow. <laughs> Absolute <Amazing>. fail. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that must have been real heartbreaking at the time when that happened. Yeah, I mean, at the time, obviously, there's so much pressure when you're that age. So I was about 17. Um, and at that time, it was like the end of the world. So to give you a bit of context, I applied the year before the fees were tripled in the UK. So I have friends who they sort of waited a year. Um, they got rejected as well. And then they got into all their choices. But at that moment in time, I was young and I was like, you know what? I don't want to wait a year. I just want to go to university. Um, so I have very mixed feels on university. I've obviously worked with a lot of students over the years. Some people love it. Some people didn't have the best time. And some people are kind of like me, where they're kind of like, meh about it. Like, I think it's a really great thing in terms of it gives you time to figure things out, work on yourself and figure out what you want to do. But in hindsight, I kind of feel like it's such a crazy thing to be expected to kind of put all your eggs in one basket in one course that you want to do with that heavy financial burden. Um, and I'm actually really glad that I didn't get in. <laughs> um, and for any past or present employers listening, I do have a degree, um, I'll unpack it for you. So this is what happened. I was at college at the time, I was doing like a fashion course. It was just like a two years, like BTEC national diploma um, in my hometown where I'm from, which is Basingstoke, shout out Basingstoke. Um, <laughs> And when I didn't get in, all of my teachers on that course said to me like, you know what, Jess, um, why don't you just do the degree course that we're offering at the college? And it was a textiles course. And I thought about it and I was kind of like, you know, my choices at that point were like, do I go through clearing? Do I do what my friends are doing, which is just wait a year and apply again? And I just thought, you know what, I'm going to keep an open mind. And I'm just going to do this course that you guys are offering. So I ended up staying at that college for five years in total. Wow. And I did their degree course, which was a course in textiles, which was a new thing for me because I actually wanted, <clears throat> sorry, to do fashion design. I wanted to do like pattern cutting, things like that. And all my work up until that point had been like fashion design. So I kind of knew going into that course that when I graduate, I'm not going to have like a big graduate showcase, that there's no industry links, all I'm going to get is like a piece of paper. So I decided to kind of, you know, take control of the situation and just basically design my own education and just spend that three years doing what I want to do. Wow, that, that's a journey within itself, I must say. Yeah, <laughs> it's so funny looking back on that now, because at the time it was so gutting and I was so heartbroken. And the reason why I wanted to talk about it was because obviously a lot of students at the moment are not having a great time yeah. at university, or maybe they didn't get in like me, or maybe they got their second or their third choice and they're, you know, a little bit heartbroken about that. But I think my point is it doesn't really matter 
like everyone gets to where they need to be eventually. Absolutely. I mean, I can relate myself. Um, as I told you, I had to defer a year before I could go to university too, but we are here now. So yeah. I mean, I probably should have done that, but I was so impatient then about everything. Like I have patience now. No, again, circumstance is different. So, you know, it's absolutely fine. Um, so on to my next point. So what drew you to design? So I think probably my upbringing. So my mom was a textiles designer and she worked in interiors and our household growing up always had loads of fun, interesting things. Um, I'm half Indian on my dad's side. Okay. Um, he's from Fiji and I think that's played a big role in my work because I've always been interested in different cultures. I've always loved like color, print, pattern, design. But obviously when I was younger, I never knew how to harness it. All I knew at that point was I always had lots of ideas um, for how to make things better, how to make things look better. But I always just thought I was hypercritical of everything. I didn't know that was a job. <laughs> I didn't know you could be paid to just like critique things. <laughs> wow. I mean, well, I must mean within your growing up and your household, it must have been quite vibrant with all the yeah. roaming together. So would you say that is a part of your aesthetic now or? Yeah, definitely. I think like what I'm known for now is just like bold colour. Like I love colour, I love print, I love textiles and I try and bring that into all my footwear work. Nice. Definitely. Definitely can't wait to see some of the stuff that you got coming up for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so where did you start your design journey? Um, so I guess like throwing it right back to school, I did my GCSE in textiles. Um, and then something really weird like happened when I was 16, I entered this competition that was run by the BBC. Okay. It was called BBC Blast Your Label and it wanted to offer a platform for young designers to showcase their collection at London Fashion Week. Right. And at that point I was literally like in school, like I could barely sew, I could barely do anything. So I entered this competition, but I never thought I was going to win it. Like I literally sketched it in Byron. I just put all my ideas down. It was really messy and it, it wasn't good. Like I think about it now and I just want to cringe because it's like, obviously now I know how to put a project together. Yeah. Um, but I guess somebody must have seen some potential in those like rough biro sketches because I actually won that competition. Wow. So I got a graduate. I got like a showcase at London Fashion Week when I was like 17 by the time it happened. It was crazy. So it was like an extreme high. Yeah. I could barely sew. I had to get my mom to help me sew a lot of the garments because um, I was just so young and it was so raw. And it was just really fun. It was like really colorful stuff. And it was just crazy. Like backstage, Vivian Westwood was having her fashion show next door. And I still have the sign like at home that's like Vivian Westwood backstage. And it was such an extreme high that that's when obviously you fast forward to a year later, not getting into university, that was like an extreme low, you know? So that was so heartbreaking. And I just wanted to like share all these like really raw parts of my journey because I want to show people that it's not always like an upwards trajectory. I mean, you, I was really feeling like my application the unit was like on fleek because I had that um, showcase at London Fashion Week. I'd also managed at that point to get like a paid um, internship in London as well. So I was working for a fashion brand in London. So I was like, I have industry experience. I have London Fashion Week. And then when I didn't get into anywhere, I was like, oh my God, <laughs> what do I do? Wow. 
Yeah, no, I, I can relate to that. Doing all the um, all the routes of, and I also did a BBC course myself. I did the BBC Step Up program. Cool. <laughs> and my project actually ended up on the news, but still didn't get any employment after that. So totally, yeah, totally relate to you. So that's the thing. As well. Yeah, like so when I eventually got on that program I was just like right how do I use like these three years so what I did was I took my paid internship um and I took all the money from that to just do whatever I could so it's like I just opened my mind I wanted to push myself out of my comfort zone because at that point as well like my confidence had been knocked and it kind of got me thinking like should I even be doing design you know, like this design want me. So I started doing other stuff. I started doing like styling, connected with loads of stylists. Like I would see a stylist tweeting, like I'm going to be at this photo shoot tomorrow. Does anyone want to come and help? And I would just go and do it. Wow. And for me, especially being like a Taurus, like Tauruses love to stay in that comfort zone. <laughs> I was like really putting myself out there, like to meet new people. And it was really scary, but I was in that kind of fight or flight mode where I had the adrenaline of like, look, I'm going to graduate in three years and I haven't got a big name university on my CV. Mm -hmm. I don't have a name where people are going to think she's from a good school. So I need other stuff. I need like something else about me. So I started doing styling. I started working at London Fashion Week, Africa Fashion Week. I took on different things to kind of expand my skill set. So I wasn't very good at sewing. So I took a job where I had to do sewing like all day. Yeah. So it was like whatever I wasn't good at, I was like, I'm going to become good at that. Even like at the weekends, I had a job at Debenhams where I was like working in the women's wear department. And I like pushed myself to become like one of the personal shoppers in that department, just in case. Cause at that point I was like, maybe this could help me. Maybe I'll go into styling. So it was kind of like, when I think about it now, like, I feel tired just thinking about it. Like I was just doing like everything. Like it was so difficult. <laughs> well, at least you don't have to do that now. Oh uh, yeah, now I'm just like, <laughs> I just do my job and that's it. But it's just, you have to do all these things. And that's why I feel like so passionate about this subject. Like I would love to see more things like the Adidas Seed Academy in Europe, because I do believe that at that moment in time when you're so young, it's kind of like, you don't know what you want to do. And it's like, you just need the time to figure it out. And you need the time to figure it out without that huge financial burden as well. 100% because that can be really stressful and there's so many things like if you don't have a lovely strong supportive family like I do and really great female mentors like I do it's really difficult yeah I couldn't agree with you more and yes yeah, seed is a definitely a staple point in what they're producing at the moment um yeah let's put it out then seed come to Europe yes please I'd love to see it <laughs> Okay. I'd also be jealous that I can't do it myself. No, because, you know, you work somewhere else now. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, so let's talk about your brand collaborations, um, working with Kickers, Palace Skateboard, Ragged Priest, and Confetti Crowd. Yeah, so eventually I specialised. So I decided to specialise in footwear. So my first footwear job was at Kickers. Um, and when I started at Kickers, um, I had a friend that had worked there previously and she had done all these really amazing like brand collaborations with like Lazy O's. And when I started that job, that was something that I wanted to like bring back to the brands. 
Um, and I had such an amazing like platform and opportunity to like suggest brand collaborators and meet them and work with them. And it was just an amazing time. Like this is just a selection of some of my favorite ones that we did. I mean, Palace Skateboards was amazing because it's like a, a UK homegrown brand as well. Yeah. And obviously the fact that they're cool with just doing like a lime green mop just speaks and volumes to, you know, how cool they are like that was a really great one they were super supportive and like really open-minded um and then ragged priest was just like really great in terms of like pushing the innovation for, like the kickers out soul in terms of like what we can do with it and then confetti crowd was very interesting because it's kind of that new wave of collaborations that we're seeing now where it's more about people and community and different viewpoints so they're a collective they're not a brand that's cool. I mean, yeah. What would you say was the best collaboration out of the four that you did? I know I've thrown you under the bus there, a bit. <laughs> <laughs> but I had to. Uh, do you know what? I'm going to say watch the space because they're not all out yet. Oh, okay. So stay tuned. Okay. Stay tuned. Wonderful. I mean, I think it's just, for me, I just love that moment of where you see like the two brands like coming together and like work out what that thing is. The way that I think about it is like, what are people going to expect when they see those two brands, when they see those two logos, what are they going to expect? And then I like to like hit them with something a little bit different, like put a little spin on it. Okay. Because I myself, I've studied collaborations for years and I kind of know you know ones that I've been like a bit disappointed with from brands I've been like really excited there's nothing worse than like seeing those teasers and then you see the product and you're like Ooh. yeah the sheer disappointment yeah so I always felt like a lot of pressure like doing myself because I'd always been so like hypercritical of them so that was like an amazing opportunity an amazing time to do that okay so I have more to look out for everybody yeah. We have more to look out for. Jinx, my favourite might not be out yet. <laughs> we got time. We got time. <laughs> so let's talk about COVID-19. Um, yeah. You were made redundant from your job. Can you say yeah. where that was from and what happened with that whole process there? Yeah, so it was from my lovely team at Kickers. Shout out to Team Kickers. So through no fault of Kickers, it was literally due to the pandemic. It was obviously such a huge financial hit for so many companies. So I lost my job um, in the summer um, and it was super sad, but you know what? I've worked at Kickers for a really long time. And when you start a new job, you obviously think about like what you want to achieve in that time frame. And I think when I started, I'd written something like, I want to do like one collab. Like if I can bring back like one, I think we did about six or seven in the end. So things sometimes come to like a natural end and like a natural cycle anyway. I think probably just the saddest thing about it was I still have so many friends there. <laughs> so it was sad from that point of view. But again, I think it's important to talk about these things because anyone can be made redundant. Yeah. It's not a reflection on you or your ability or the company. This whole like COVID-19 redundancy thing is literally because of the virus because it's just hitting that hard. Um, but it was interesting and actually a lot of good things did come out of it. So when I was on, I was on furlough, like everyone else was like for quite a few months. And actually that was like the only time I've ever had in my life not working. Like. You must have felt like you were on a massive holiday. I, it was just like, 
I literally realized at that point I've gone from like school to college to uni and when I was at uni I obviously had that mad time of working non-stop because luckily my tutors were so like understanding of my situation that they allowed me to go and do all those other things whilst I was doing my degree because they totally sympathized with me they were like hey we're a small college we don't have any industry links so if you going out and getting your links yourself is going to help get you a job then do it as long as you can do your coursework at the same time so when I got made redundant and I was on furlough before then I was just like whoa I can just like actually regroup and think and I can actually think about what I want to do yeah um and I actually ended up being given after I was on furlough and I was let go this really amazing opportunity um from this woman that I'd met like a year ago so again this is like another story about failure so I was on a sort of interview about a year ago it wasn't for a job it was part of my um workplace thing where they wanted people to interview um for awards like within the footwear industry and I met this woman and she was on the interview panel um, and I didn't really feel that good about it going in I felt like maybe I just wasn't the right fit for what they were looking for obviously because all my work is so like colorful and out there and I thought you know what? I don't think I'm going to win this but I put a lot into like the presentation I just thought I'm going to have a fun time meet new people see what happens yeah. um, so I didn't end up winning that award but I wasn't surprised I didn't think anything of it then fast forward to um, 2020 losing my job I literally get a phone call from this woman that interviewed me a year ago saying hi Jess heard through the grapevine you uh you know you're out and you're right now you're freelance would you do a project for me so I was like okay cool and then she was like you know just to let you know I remembered your presentation I loved your work and I want you to be part of this project which is bringing back like a big 90s brand to the UK nice so I was like cool but I just wanted to share that because I think it's like at that time, I just thought I've made no impact. <laughs> My work's rubbish, <laughs> you know, whatever. But it's like, it just goes to show that sometimes you do make an impact on people and good things can come from it. So then I did that project and then I took on a few other projects and then things were rolling. The virus was still like, no one knew what was going on with anything. So I was like, right, I'm just going to stay freelance for a bit and see what happens. So would you say you doubt yourself throughout your journey so far yeah definitely I think that whole like setback definitely knocked my confidence and I think that everyone does experience like imposter syndrome from time to time I'm very confident like in my design ability but I think there's definitely like crazy moments like you know sitting in all those brand collab meetings I'd have times where I'm like do I know what I'm doing but again it's kind of like that fight or flight mode where you just need to be really like confident and like yes I do know what I'm doing but I think it's completely normal and it happens to everyone I mean it's like are you even a designer if you don't doubt yourself every day <laughs> it's true there's yeah relatable in many fields yeah <laughs> for sure so tell us where are you now come on uh, after being made redundant being on furlough being freelance, I finally had the really amazing opportunity to go and work at Dot Martins, where I am now full time as a footwear designer. Amazing. You must Thanks. be really happy about that. 
Oh my God, like Shanae, that was such a crazy full circle moment for me because I can remember like back when I was 17, I can remember walking in from college wearing a pair of Doc Martens and just opening all my rejection letters and literally just sitting on my stairs like crying, waiting for my mum to come home so that I could tell her that I didn't get into university and that my life was essentially over. And it's just so crazy that it's like the boot that I was wearing, like when that happened, like that is the boot that I work on now, like, because I work as a designer for the originals um, category. And I can literally remember wearing like a pair of 1460s, like crying my eyes out. <laughs> so like, if you had told me then that this was what I would be working on now, I would have been like, no way. Yeah, that must be a bit of a very surreal moment for you right there. Yeah, it's a trip. And I think it goes to show like, if you keep an open mind, like if you had told me then you would be a footwear designer, I probably would have been like, oh no, I don't know if that would work. Or I don't know if I could do that. Or I'm probably not good enough to do that. Or, you know, like you shouldn't be set in your ways. I think with your discipline either, like I use all my textiles knowledge, all my print knowledge, all my material knowledge every single day in footwear. And I'm so glad that I opened my mind to a completely different discipline. That's great. So there's always space to learn. Is that that's yeah? Lifelong learner, right here. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so 2020 has been a tough year for everyone. What insight would you give to navigate standing out in the industry as a graduate? Now keep it real now. So the number one most underrated tip that I can give you, and this is so important, and I use this every single day myself, is build your own personal archive of references. So for me, I just use Pinterest because that's a great way of storing things online and you can store thousands and thousands of images. So on my Pinterest, I have everything set up. I have like color, mood, materials, different types of outsoles, different types of glass, everything categorized and I add to it every single day, every single morning I add to it. So if someone needs a reference for something, I have it like straight away. And it's also really great to do that for your own personal aesthetic as well, because if you're working for brands, sometimes you can kind of lose sight of things that you like. So I also have boards that are like, you know, personal things for me, stuff that I like, not just footwear. Um, like I have it for print design, I have split all into different categories, like animal print, Paisy prints, different things. And I think that's something that's just really underrated. Um, and if you fine tune those apps, so if you use Pinterest and you follow the right people, the algorithm will pick up on that. So if I go onto my Pinterest now, after fine tuning it for years, I'll immediately get like all the latest runways for like footwear. And I'll also get loads of really great print inspo. And because I love like hardware and trims, I'll get loads of stuff like that trickling in as well. So if you fine tune it and you use it every single day, the algorithm will work in your favor. And, you know, there'll be so many sort of situations, like if somebody needs a move board for something like in 30 minutes, it's like, you can just whack it together quickly. Or if someone else in your team needs an idea, you've got loads of references and you can be that go-to person to help. So I think that's a really underrated one because it's also being able to find that reference quickly. Like there's no point in having really great ideas because you might be in a situation where that needs putting together like now. And if you have to spend a whole day finding it, you could lose out on that opportunity. Um, so the next one is building connections, entering competitions. I entered loads of competitions. I didn't even mention all the ones I entered. 
Um, and I know connections, that can be a bit of this sort of cringy network thing. And I know that sometimes people when they're young, they just think, oh, that's for business people. I don't need to network, but you do. <laughs> In every industry you do. Yeah. And I know it's cringy and I know it's like, I always hated putting myself out there like that. But I think the best advice with this would be, can you form genuine connections? Like, even if you just stay in touch with like everyone that you know now, like just staying in touch with people is so important. Um, and you can also use things like you can use like Daisy. So Daisy is a platform for collaborators. If you have a really great idea, you can just make like a notice board that says like, I want to do a photo shoot or I have an idea for a shoe, but can someone do like a 3D model of it? And it's just a platform where you can link with loads of other um, creatives who are all doing the same thing. So I think it's kind of like utilize social media as well. I've seen so many graduates using LinkedIn. I never used LinkedIn when I was like 18, but I've seen so many people doing it. And it's so good. And I'm like, yes, guys, you need to do that. Get yourself out there. Great. Um, another one is like your brand knowledge directory. So can you hit people with brands that aren't the big brands? Can you think of some really cool like niche brands or it's even like brands on Depop because everything is influenced. So if you can show people things that are like really obscure references, that would be something that would set you apart. Um, and my last major one that I wish that I had done like more of is invest in yourself like don't rely on your university your workplace the school to invest in you ultimately your education is in your hands so we'll see a lot of students sort of saying things like oh well i didn't have enough illustrator lessons in university i don't have enough time for photoshop the funding was cut i didn't get you know lessons in this or that if it's something digital i would say definitely invest in yourself um, because there's lots of things that you can do for free that don't require any funding. So you can do things like Skillshare, LinkedIn Learning, where all you need, you probably have a couple of email addresses anyway, where you can do like a month's free trial. And you might only need one or two months to do like something that will boost your technical sort of skill set, especially in this new way of working, which is completely remote. I think digital skills are like the number one investment there's like value for money yeah i mean and also just like youtube like youtube is free i think it just the thing is it just requires a lot of like self-discipline to do it absolutely hence why i'm doing this podcast with you now yeah. <laughs> learning extracurricular <laughs> well thank you very much for your time today jess it's been a great honor to speak with you oh thank you for the opportunity as well no worries. We'll definitely be talking again soon and seeing where you are in the years yeah. to come. So stay Thank you. <laughs> Speak to you soon. Okay. Bye. Thank you so much. Bye.